Okay. 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 Back to one. Okay. Back to one. Okay. Back to one. In this episode, I'm talking to psychiatrist and poet Dr. Monisha Vasa, who's given me a new perspective on goal setting. Because right now, we don't have to be doing everything, but we can move forward. And stay tuned to the end of the show for an exciting update from last episode's guest, Armstrong screenwriter Nick Rapka. jump right in and tell you straight up that I did not accomplish my goal from last week. I said I was going to write two hours a day and I think I did that the very next day from when Nick Rafka and Nick and I talked and then it got completely abandoned. Um, I feel awful about this. I think you know by now that I love having goals. It makes me feel like I have direction. And that's my comfort zone. Um, So I feel really guilty and sad for not making progress. I also feel no guilt at all because I know I am blessed to even have this option to not make progress. But then that makes me feel completely overwhelmed because there's a lot of pain and loss in the world right now. And a person very close to me is grieving the loss of both of her parents to this to this godforsaken disease and to be so far away from her and also feel her grief so profoundly is truly devastating and then i'm just back to feeling no guilt because i can't right now i just can't um so I hope you understand or you can empathize. And if you're going through this kind of mental ping pong like I am, um, I'm so very sorry for everything and anything you're enduring right now. These are very complex feelings we're all sitting in the middle of. Thankfully, my guest today is a mental health professional (laughs) and she is a poet. So she understands creativity and all that we put ourselves through to make things out of what we're feeling. I met her at a journaling workshop where she was talking about the deck of journaling prompts she developed with the company Allswell. And I just really appreciated right away her spirit and her very calm, grounding presence, and I'm so grateful she was willing to have this conversation. Dr. Monisha Vasa is a board-certified general and addiction psychiatrist in Orange County, California. She's the co-founder of the Mental Health Collective, an integrative, evidence-based treatment center for those struggling with mental health conditions, and also serves as a wellness consultant for physicians at UC Irvine Medical Center and City of Hope National Cancer Center. Dr. Vasa is also a poet, an avid daily journaler, and recently published her first volume of poetry entitled Solve, Words for the Journey. She is also a mindfulness practitioner and co-hosts a podcast called More Happiness, Less Suffering. I feel like so much has changed since we met last. Like we're taking it one step at a time. Right. And I feel like that's all we can do 
but I also feel like, especially for creative people, it's sort of like, ooh, there's this time that we can use. It's a great topic. It's probably one of the topics that's coming up the most with my patients, um, which is this pressure to be productive during this time. I mean, I think it's kind of just exposing our internalized self-criticism and constant drive and constant need to sort of be doing, doing, doing. Mm-hmm. Our, our Americanness. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so American to be like, we have to be creating something and changing the world right now. <laughs> wow. Even if we're in the midst of a global pandemic, we need to be doing something amazing and creative and productive and valuable and all those things. So as creative people, what are some of the things we need to be aware of as we try to balance all of these complex feelings trying to be productive and and needing to take care of ourselves. I think that the the creatives that I've I've come to know are deeply sensitive, you know, um they feel things deeply, they have a a, a sense of connection and empathy uh to what's going on in the world and and then they use that creativity almost as a way to kind of alchemize their emotional you know, experience or story, I feel in some ways, this is a time when creativity can really be a very powerful strength, like almost like a superpower, because it becomes a form of expression. So when we feel grief, when we feel loss, when we feel sadness, when we feel fear, when we feel anxiety, we can use whatever form of creativity that we, we tend towards as a way to make sense of that experience Um, and maybe share that experience with others. I think the flip side of that is that sometimes creatives, there can be this blurring of what is um, an interest, a love, a passion, a, a, a hobby sometimes versus like also our identity our work, you know, if we make work out of whatever our creative um, interest is, those boundaries can get kind of blurred. Like, for example, there's a sense that that creativity does have to have an end result or an end goal or do good somehow. And and so I think we, we kind of have to remind ourselves that some creative practices are worthy just as a process, you know, even if there is no end thing to show for it, <laughs> that the process itself had value, had meaning, was beautiful. It doesn't always have to result in an end goal. And I think the other thing is that sometimes creativity does require energy. And there might be times right now where we feel very depleted of energy. Um, and so it's okay to sort of cope in ways that are not creative, you know, like if we need to take a nap, if we need to veg out with Netflix, if we need to just do nothing for a little while or scroll on our phone or, you know, whatever it is, that's also okay sometimes too. Um, Creativity can take energy. Sometimes we can get a little type A with it, you know, depending on our nature of like wanting it to look a certain way. But I think, I personally think it can really be a superpower right now. Yeah. As you were talking, I thought, oh, being depleted of energy, maybe we use our creativity to refuel our tank. You know, if we, if we really experience this time, we're taking care of our creativity in some way. We're, we're, 
we're fostering it and we're growing it. And that doesn't necessarily mean an end product, like you're saying. I love the idea of, of thinking about creativity as like, how do I nurture this? Like, how do I care for this? How do, how do I be gentle towards this side of myself? And I think that's where sort of the, the self-compassion right now can be s- such a powerful tool. Instead of me sort of um, demanding something of myself and my creativity, is there a way to approach these parts of myself with an attitude of curiosity and kindness and see what it needs, you know, see what arises um, when I actually care for this part of myself rather than demanding something from this part of myself. Part of caring for our creativity or nurturing our creativity does mean being true to our own experience. If you're trying to write a comedy, but you don't feel particularly funny or lighthearted, sort of acknowledging like this is the truth of how I feel right now. And, and that is normal. That is human. Nobody can be in that space all the time. So I think this aspect of not forcing something, you know, even if we find ourselves with more time on our hands, not forcing something that feels like it's not arising uh, because it doesn't resonate in an authentic way with where we are emotionally. And so maybe you're really um, authentically, you use the word authentic, which I love, authentically expressing ourselves instead of trying to fit it into Mm -hmm. a box right now. Right, right. Absolutely. Like I find, you know, with with journaling, for example, that's like a, a tool that I come back to pretty regularly. I think if I tried to have every journal entry end up with like a beautiful piece of poetry or writing or something amazing, it would just be a tremendous amount of pressure and so stifling that I don't think I would ever get to the truth of what I really wanted to say. But when I look at this as sort of, well, this is my time to just express whatever needs to be expressed in whatever form it needs to be expressed in. And then maybe at the end of that, what there's one word or one phrase or one idea that I can take out of that, that then ends up becoming something that eventually becomes a poem. Then I feel like there's, I'm finding sort of that balance with it in a sense. I think a lot about those like Buddhist monks that create those elaborate mandalas with all that, the beautiful different colored sand. And at the end, they just, they literally just let it go. They just destroy it. It kind of speaks to valuing the process, valuing the moment, valuing the beauty of that process, completely independent of the end result that arises. Right. I love that you said that uh, artists are a, can be type A personalities. I think a lot of times you you see artists being portrayed as la, 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 like totally flaky, you know? And it's like, no, at least the professional side care so deeply and are driven people to get to get to a level where you are doing that as your art it takes an in- incredible amount of drive. Yes. Um, so, and so you really are balancing left and right brain a lot. How do we know when to push ourselves and when to be gentle with ourselves? Mm-hmm. I think we think that when we practice self-compassion or kindness towards ourselves, almost like we're going to get soft with ourselves, like we'll never really accomplish anything. We'll just let ourselves sort of do whatever. We'll be lazy. Like I think we have all these sort of myths about around self-compassion. Um, 
But when we look at, for example, how we treat a child, berating or demanding something of a child, asking a child to be productive and to improve and to be perfect on a timeline, you know, with an end result in mind and to do that in sort of this harsh, demanding way would never work. What would work is sort of aligning with the child, becoming curious with the child, being gentle with the child. And so somewhere along the way, I think we got our sort of wires crossed and we started to think that if I get really harsh and demanding with myself and you know, have these expectations and I'm self-critical, I'm going to be able to get further and accomplish more and do better. And I think it's actually just the opposite. I think self-compassion is sort of this balance of like what, what I need right now versus what is going to give me long-term satisfaction and meaning and purpose. And, and I think that can be hard for creative types who like I said, can be type A, but can also just have a really loud self-critical voice, you know? I, I am like such a drama queen with myself. The compromise for myself is usually all or nothing. Right. I do it. I do it. I said I was going to do it and I'm going to do it. Or um, I don't feel like doing it, so I'm just not going to do it. And right. maybe the balance is more my expectation is I'm going to write five pages. You know what? I'm going to write one page, you know, more of a compromise on that scale rather than the all the constant all or nothing that I plague myself with. Right. Absolutely. And there's so much value in the small steps and a meditation teacher that I work closely with um, who I co-host my podcast with, he talks a lot about this concept of moving towards, you know, Mm -hmm. like how can we move towards something. What is my intention? You know, what was my intention behind setting that five-page goal? I may not get to five pages, but how can I move towards that? It sort of allows us a little bit of space with it. And and also a little bit of, let me see what might arise from this path. I think that's the flip side of demanding a certain thing from us. If we hold ourselves so tightly to that, we might not know what happens if maybe we give ourselves a little bit of flexibility. I think our difficulty with doing that comes out of this fear of like, well, if I don't hold myself so tightly to my goals and my standards, maybe I'll just never do anything. You know, maybe I'll just be on the couch all day long and never accomplish anything. And I think the reality is you'll, you know, do do something that still moves you in that direction because at the end of the day, that's what you want for yourself. It's coming from an internal drive, an internal motivation, not an external drive. I totally get what you like about journaling, but I get hung up on it because, well, when we first met, I was in the middle of doing um, The Artist Way, which is a book about uncovering your own creativity. Um, But if you're going to stay on it, there's, there's homework every week. And they want you to do morning pages every day. And it just felt like... I can't do this. <laughs> You're smothering me. Right, right. You're not alone, you know, because rarely does any of us work well being told what to do in general, you know, but <laughs> if you find that sort of instinctive, like I'm reacting against this, I think it's like a great message that something about this is not working for me. And I think anytime we feel like, oh, I need to do this, I should do this, I have to do this. These are sort of like our red flag words that there is sort of like a self-critical component 
that's kicking in. Oftentimes, one of the reasons that people struggle to maintain a journaling practice is because we find a way to become type A about our journaling too, you know? Like, <laughs> like I have to do it every day, or I have to do it for 20 minutes, or I have to do it for three pages, or it has to look beautiful, or it has to, you know, has to be whatever. And so I know for me, for my own experience, a big part of becoming sustainable with journaling, which, and it doesn't have to be journaling, like it, I happen to like it, but it could be drawing for somebody or it could be, you know, it could be anything. Um, Coloring. Coloring, right. (laughs) For me, a lot of, a lot of it has been about subtracting, like all of those rules. I don't have to do it every day. I don't have to do it for a particular amount of time the messier, the better, the more illegible, the better, the worse the punctuation and capitalization, the better. The more I could let go of those rules, the more it made me want to do it. Yeah, We want it to be something that you want to do or that you look forward to doing or that you miss doing if you didn't get the chance, not this thing of like, I'm, you know, I'm going to obligation. Yes, obligation or or rules. Right. Is that why you um, were interested in in creating the deck with Allswell? Yeah, absolutely. Laura, you know, is the founder of Allswell um, Creative, which was, you know, a line of, at the time, kind of three journals. um, And then she had all of these amazing journaling workshops that she would do. And um, so I actually just emailed her and I actually just totally randomly reached out to her and said, you know, um, hey, like, I'm Monisha, I'm a psychiatrist, (laughs) I'm in Orange County, I journal, um, and, you know, I love what you're doing. I sort of had this idea of, like, I, I wanted something concrete to offer to people, you know, something that people could really hold in their hands and kind of have as a, another tool to use. Um, and so I, I sort of, you know, we had still been in communication. I reached out to her and I said like, hey, would you be interested in sort of this idea of maybe creating a deck of, of prompt cards? And she really loved the idea. She loved adding something to her existing line of journals that she already had and something that was a little bit different. Um, and her her other affinity for the idea was that it was analog, you know, like we're so like digital these days with everything. It was like something you could actually hold in your hands. And so we just started meeting and we started kind of visualizing what the end product could be and um, and working with the prompts and, you know, her journals are a mix of like half lined, half unlined. So half for writing, half for drawing. And we decided to do the cards in the same way. So you, there's a writing prompt and a drawing prompt on each card. Um, because I think that, you know, anything that makes it like kind of fun and interesting and sort of gets us out of our sort of preconceived idea of like how it needs to be done. They're really, fun. Yeah, they're fun. And like, I even think they're fun just to sort of questions to ask around the dinner table or sort yeah. of like if you're with girlfriends, you know, they just kind of make you think about things a little bit differently. And, um, and you know, it was really great working with, with Laura and creating those because, you know, she was coming from more of, a, I would say, sort of like the creative side of things. And I was coming more from sometimes kind of the mental health, like psychiatry, you know, like 
how can we create this prompt, you know, in a way that will elicit something interesting or insightful or, or specific for somebody? Um, how can we avoid things that might be triggering or upsetting? It was a really fun way to kind of bring together those different aspects of reflection and introspection and creativity and mental health and to kind of bring them together in, in a specific tool that people could, could use. Yeah. You know, speaking of creativity, I think it's like just bringing to bringing people together from such different worlds. Like my world is like science and medical school and psychiatry and, you know, and a little bit of creativity, but, you know, mostly all this like medical stuff and her world is journaling and kind of being out there in a very different way with it. And it was really, I think, fun to kind of bring together those two perspectives, um, which I think is creative, creativity in and of itself, you know, kind of when you just bring together two totally different ways of thinking and, and then something new emerges, you know, and so it was, it was, um, I, I love the end product, but I also just loved the process, you know, (laughs) so speaking of that balance. Right, right. So, so last episode, I made a goal for myself because I, this podcast has been goal driven, which now I'm trying to figure out if this is the right way. But I, um, because last week I made a goal for myself to write, uh, my husband and I are developing a new screenplay and I wanted to focus two hours a day on it. I did not accomplish that at all, at all. And so I was thinking just now along these lines of what is the balance, I, I, I think my new goal will be to journal, <laughs> but <laughs> I need to rethink goals altogether, maybe, <laughs> you know? Well, my, my question would be, you may not have done that two hours a day, but did you move towards it, you know, in a meaningful right. way on a daily basis? And so it's like, I, I think about goals almost like I, I tend to use the word intention, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this is my intention, you know, and the intention can still be specific and measured and all those things, you know, but it's like, did I, did I move towards, you know, working towards this, you know, two hours a day, like in some form or fashion, you know, and, and I'm curious to know, like, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I think it was hard because over those two weeks I was grieving. Um, and so I really let, let go of it. Um, like we've been talking about, even just the idea of goal felt too, um, aggressive for me to deal with. I think in, in a way I moved toward, um, just sitting in front of our storyboard, you know, where we have ideas and sort of are starting to lay out the the plot and um, beats and just sitting in front of it. Yes. Um, I have moved, moved toward it in that way. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And actually, I'm so glad to hear that you actually just allowed yourself the space and time that you needed because I mean, I would, I would question whether one can really do their best work under those circumstances when there is something else so big calling for your energy and attention. When you're navigating loss and grief, I think there's almost some, it's almost like a form of violence towards yourself to say like, I'm not gonna 
I'm not going to attend to that because I, I said I'm going to do two hours a day, you know? I think this time is showing us it's so important for us to recognize that all of these parts of ourselves are important. It's like we, we put a lot of emphasis on the work and the productivity part of ourselves as being more, I think, valuable or meaningful or, or important than, than the parts of ourselves that sit with our emotions or that sit with our feelings mm-hmm. or that connect with our friends and family or that cook something beautiful. And I think this, this pandemic is forcing us to look at like actually these are all facets of our being and all of them actually are worthy and important and valuable. And I, I would probably argue that A, in the end, what will come when you are ready to sit down and do those two hours a day is going to be so much more um, true to what you initially wanted to come out of that time than had you just said, no, I'm not going to think about any of that. I need to meet my goal. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I love thinking about it as an intention. So my intention um, is, is, and I'm not even, I usually set something very sort of rigid. So my intention is um, just to try journaling over the next couple of weeks and see what it brings up for me and use the deck because I think it's so fun. And I think that will really um, trick me into. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that. And there's something kind of fun about just seeing like what you pick, you know, like, Oh, what? Yeah. There's something a little like magical about it. Like, right. What one do I choose today? You know, I'm excited to hear how you find it and, um, and how it goes for you. Thank you. Would you like to share an intention? Yeah. Um, I was thinking about it because I've listened to your other podcasts and I love hearing the, the goals that, that um, people set for themselves. So this is kind of a specific one. Um, but one of the things that I've been wanting to do is actually do an Instagram live. Um, I have a bit of like anxiety about kind of putting myself out there and kind of you know sort of like what if no one shows up like what you know what I mean like all the fears of course yeah um but you know the intention of course is to sort of just put myself out there in case people have questions want to connect whether it's about mental health or creativity or journaling or whatever it may be and but um anxiety has been you know getting in my way so yeah so I think that would be a good good challenge for me to be like you know to see what happens you know I love that I'll come (laughs) (laughs) awesome because that'll give us a chance to chat more (laughs) yeah hey if it's for one person then I mean I tell myself with that with the podcast (laughs) absolutely if it it makes a difference for one person it was absolutely worthwhile I right wholeheartedly believe that so yeah um and if not I'll just you know talk to myself for a few minutes <laughs> exactly. fortunately nobody would have seen it anyway <laughs> I think that's really fun I can't wait okay I that's will good. I will hold myself accountable since yes I think give give people some, uh, uh, um, some heads up yes yes so that we can so that we can be there for you Okay. Yeah. You know, good idea. Yeah. And it will, it will kind of force me to do it. Cause I think if I'm just like, oh, I'll just do it right now. You know, part of that is like, you know, 
the fear that nobody shows up and the hope that nobody shows up. Right. You're wriggling out of it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So that that's the goal that I would, you know, sometime between now and, you know, this time next Wednesday, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. Oh, yay. I like that one. And I can't wait to, I, I can't wait to attend and just touch base with you again about, about our intentions that we've set. Yes, me too. I can't wait to hear how it goes for you as well. So my new intention is going to be to try journaling. I just want to see if I can create a safe space for myself like Monisha is describing. And I know I could really use it right now. So I, I'm feeling very excited about it. I also mentioned that Nick Rufka had an update on his goal. Last time he said he was going to work on his writing profiles. When I texted him to see how he did, he said he did not accomplish this goal, but he said he had a really good reason and he told me to call him. So let's do it. Hello. Hey. Hey. What are you doing? I am uh, about to drive out to Palm Springs. Ooh. You're living the life. <laughs> yeah, as best we can. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm super excited. What is the exciting news? Um, well, very exciting news. So I, uh, I didn't exactly hit my goals as I stated, but... Um, I have a good excuse. They were diverted because I think the next day after I recorded with you, um, I got a call from a manager I had met with, um, and now I have a writing manager. I have representation. Oh my gosh! The next day? For the day? first time in my, my writing life. Um, yeah, I think if you and I recorded on a Thursday? Yeah. Yeah, it was Friday. I met with him maybe a month prior because he'd gotten my script and it was sort of a general, but I was there for an hour. So was it your um, Italian horror? Yeah, it was Agatramismo. Okay. And during the course of that meeting, um, they sort of gave good feedback that I agreed with. And one of them was like, trim up, trim this up to get it closer to a hundred pages. Cause it was living at like 111. Uh-huh. And there was a few other notes, and um, I did a rewrite based on those notes and sent it to him. And he called me. He's like, "You knocked out the park, and I'd love to, I'd love to wrap you." Oh my god, it's so exciting! It's so exciting! Wow, congratulations! Yeah. Thank you, thank you. So, <laughs> so you said it changed your goals. It changed my goals because he suddenly had homework for me. Like he had me do one more pass to make it even shorter, which was, you know, it still was a a pass. It wasn't too daunting. And then I'm working with him to come up with a new idea. So as he goes out with the script, we can also say I've got this one that's coming up next. Right. Um, So that's been a lot of, um, you know, it's the first time for me doing that. So I, you know, i pitched him five and he didn't he didn't respond quote unquote to those and then a couple more and i was closer and then i had to do it again and then finally oh. i hit one that he liked oh uh, wow interesting yeah. yeah it was interesting so first first time for a lot of these steps i'm taking which i 
familiar with just two friends who have reps. So I keep doing checks like, is this normal? And they're like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So now we've landed on the script I'm going to do next. And now he, uh, I'm going to do a treatment for that script before I actually write the script. Wow. That is yeah. so great. Yeah. So, um, congratulations, my friend. Yeah. That makes me so happy. Thank you. Thank you very much, Carrie. Yeah. I've been wanting someone who can go out and sell myself on my behalf for about 20 years. So right. it takes a little while. <laughs> exactly. Everything. Yeah. If you, hey, if you stick with it, anything can happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Well, I can't think of a better way to end an episode than on a major win for one of my favorite people. And I want to hear about your wins too. Please share your goals or your intentions, or just tell me you've moved forward on something important to you at OK Back to One on Instagram or Facebook.